Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister. I brought it to the department. Nobody is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. There was a few comments came in yesterday at the end of the program about bullying and about name calling, and I was reading out a response to a in a minute, we're getting a bit stacked up towards the end of the programme. But basically, it came from someone who was in Duns, in the car park in Duns. And a man shouted, would you move over, four eyes? Yeah, yeah, that, yes, people do still talk like that in 2022. As someone who used to wear glasses full time up to about four years ago, uh, I've heard that and it stings. So we'll come back to those comments because someone took a little bit of issue to how I responded, which which is fine. 0818 96 96 96. Also, the leaving cert, all change at the leaving cert. Can you understand it? We'll try and go through it. I'm only glad I haven't got no one for leaving cert this year or next year or anytime soon, put it that way. Um, because there were changes, including some of the exams will now happen in fifth year. Uh, yeah, I know. And there'll be an awful lot more continuous assessment. The student leaders that I heard yesterday evening on the evening radio programs were happy with this. One particular student leader was delighted with this. She said, there's so much in here that we actually wanted. But then there was a teacher's union guy on the same program. Oh, no, this won't work at all. So we'll see where that goes. We'll come back to it. <sighs> Your diet, does it lack variety? You know, I mean, we all know what we like and the fridge is full of the stuff we like and the larder is full of the stuff we like. But are we varied eaters? You might eat well, okay? You might eat healthily. You might eat as healthily and as well as you can afford in these current difficult times. But do we eat a wide enough variety of stuff? We shall look at that. And also grinds, getting back to the living cert, grinds. There is apparently, I'm told, an inundated demand for grinds and grind schools. So we shall 
come back to that. But first of all, returning to the ever-dominating story in our news every day now for 34 days. And that is the ongoing situation in Ukraine. And a couple of weeks ago, we touched on this because there are many, many thousands, many, many millions of women and children escaping from Ukraine. And we've already welcomed, it was there in the news, 14,000 Ukrainian people in here. The vast, vast majority of them are women and children. But what about the children who can't get out? What about the children who are in orphanages, who have no one to bring them out? And some of them will end up alone in orphanages with no one to mind them because the people who used to work with them have either fled the country or the men, particularly, have been sent out to fight this war. Elaine Dunn, is chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers, has been with me on the show many, many times. You're on your way today, Elaine, to Poznan. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, we're, there's two of us travelling to Poznan today, myself and another provider called Gillian Noonan um, from Navan. So we sent our first truck of medical equipment and food and clothing over on Monday and we meet the truck there this evening when we arrive. And then we will unpack the truck tomorrow and then we will meet with people to see what else we can do. And then we will come home and then put out lists of what else we can do. We have also uh, linked in with an orphanage that was in the um, capital of Ukraine and they have since evacuated all of the children to the western part of Ukraine, 63 children in total. The majority of these children have additional needs and they now need our support. Um, Might I add, PJ, there actually is an awful lot of children in orphanages over in Ukraine. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago when this start, as I say, today I think is something like day 34 or 35. I'm sure if you're there being shelled and bombed, you don't care how many days it is, but it's just a number. But I remember in the very early days of it, you know, what's going to happen with all the children in the orphanages? What's going to happen to them? The men that work in the orphanages with them have been taken out to go to war. The women and their own children have fled the place. We did speak to one orphanage who had managed to move children to safety, I think in Moldova. But like you said, there's tens of thousands of them, the poor little mites. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and this one particular um, orphanage now that we are linking in with, um, with, because all the children have additional needs, they can't just be moved into another building. They have to be moved where their needs are met. So they have been moved to a hospital in western um, Ukraine and also to a physiotherapy centre as well. So you've got these 63 little beauties that um, we need to support and so through the federation we will be uh, doing a lot of support for them they've asked us to try and raise funds for two buses uh, specialized buses because what happened was they had to move the children overnight and they literally had to put them on buses normal buses and move them very very quickly and get them out so the the woman who looks after the children she has remained in the the capital and her husband and some of the staff have travelled with the children. And she's staying there because she has said that um, the soldiers are coming in through Belarus and they're going to come in through where her orphanage is and she wants to make sure that the orphanage is still there when this is all over and the children can come back, as she said, to home. There's a there's a thing because uh, the orphanages, <coughs> you'd, you'd never know, but Russian the Russians are bombing anything that's standing up. I mean, I got some yeah. pictures the other night I actually saw a before and after picture of Mariupol on television and I go, oh my God. Mm. Like, there could be orphanages in there bombed away. 
when this is it. And, 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 you know, they don't know what they're going to be coming back to either once they leave their buildings. They have no idea what's going to happen next. They don't know how long the children are going to be out of the home. You know, and it is their home. These children have been there long term. So this, this orphanage is their home. And it's the same for many children um, in the orphanages. And I, I always say, you know, they're the forgotten children because no one has mentioned them. They have not been mentioned, PJ, anywhere on the news. They have not been mentioned anywhere. You're the first person to invite me on to speak about this. And I know, um, to be fair to the Cork providers that have sent up uh, truckloads of stuff to me as well, which has gone since Monday. They have been absolutely outstanding and the Cork people. And I really appreciate it. Mm. We all do. And when we come back on Monday, we will have a new list. We will be doing a GoFundMe. And I really hope that people will get behind this so that we can support the children and get these buses up and running as quick as possible. Well, well, as you know, Elaine, what might go somewhere towards explaining how interested we are in it here is obviously we've had two charities operating out of Cork for many years. We've had the Chernobyl Children's International run by A.D. Roach and the Greater Chernobyl Cause run by Fiona Corcoran. Not that one, another one. And yeah. and both of those have huge support in Cork. So the minute this started to, to get nasty, people began to call us and said, what about the little children in the orphanages? What's going to happen to them? So this is a real, real concern. Absolutely. And I will reassure everybody that the children are safe, but it's how we support them out of their environment, whether it's a GoFundMe and we send more aid over that way. We also have a truck going in four weeks' time, another truck going, and it's going to go straight to the children this time. May I ask, Elaine, your own own attraction to this, is is it just because you were asked to do it? Um, my husband um, is a, an adoptee, so um, ah. it, it's very, very close to my heart ah. um, to be able to support these children. And I have his backing. He's behind me, pushing me too. And so, in fairness to all of the providers in the Federation, um, they are going to support this as well. We just want to make ensure that the children that are still there have exactly what they need and that they're not losing out on anything, whether it's medical equipment or whether it's wheelchairs, whatever is needed, okay. you know, clothes, food, whatever, we will we will get it for them and we well, will get it there. You and I have spoken many times on the opinion of Elaine and I may tell you now, you are pushing an open door. If you need anything for the children who can't get out and can't be got out, if you need anything for them, you come to us and we'll see can we get it for you. I will indeed. PJ, I would like to invite you on to a Zoom call next Monday with the orphanage owners. That if you're be, interested, I, oh, I would I'd love, love to, to, do that to if bring you, have, you on. If you've got somebody with good English that can tell me the situation I do. Their, the their daughter lives. So their daughter lives here in Ireland and I'm, I'm doing this through her. And um, so we had a meeting again last night. So we're supporting her here. Um, I had a conversation with her on Sunday night where we were both in floods of tears because... It's just close to all of our hearts, isn't it? You don't want any child to be affected by this, okay. but unfortunately, they are going to be. Okay. So um, I've told her that I was going to invite yourself okay. um, onto this call if you were willing. So okay. that's great. We'll talk I'll to, be in touch. Talk to Fergal and Fiona and we'll, we'll set it up because it's certainly a voice from inside, a voice who can tell us what's actually going on is is what's the most important here. That's Elaine Dunn, Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. They're going over to help an orphanage. 63 children. Many of the uh, kids there have additional needs. They're looking to get buses. They're looking to move them. They're moving them from Kiev to the west of the country, which is safer. But as she was saying, and as we've been highlighting, so many kids won't be able to leave Ukraine. They're stuck there. So we need to get as much aid to them 
as we can. We look forward to that. We'll try and set that up off the air and see what we can do with it next week. 0818 96 96 96. There's an incident involving a bus and a lorry near the Heineken Brewery. Huge delays on the north side as a result. Not a guard to be seen. Actually, there's a thing. Heineken Brewery, we all know where it is. Have we stopped calling it Murphy's, lads? Do we not call it Murphy's anymore? Because that was always Murphy's. But it's Heineken Brewery. Anyway, there's an incident involving a bus and a lorry. There's a traffic diversion at the moment in that general neck of the woods where they've closed off Devonshire Street so that you can't turn off. If you're coming in over Christie Ring Bridge and you're coming to this side of the world, as it were, it was handy there to just cut down Devonshire Street and, and avoid the junction by the garage and by the brewery. Can't do that now because there's roadworks in Devonshire Street and I'm sure that's causing more traffic disruption at the junction there and traffic disruption leads to people making snap decisions and blah, blah, blah. So we've got an instant there this morning. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Premier League Live, powered by TalkSport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96FM.ie Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now, stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. So what are those changes in the Leaving Cert? The Journal has one of the better sets of explainers this morning. Journal.ie, their their correspondent Haley Halpin kind of breaks it down really well. From 2024, uh, traditional Leaving Cert exam will be worth just 60% of the final result. The the remaining 40 will be teacher-based assessment. It'll be carried out by the student's own teacher, but there'll be another way of assessing it outside as well. Then starting next year, as in September 12 months, English Paper 1 and Irish Paper 1 well, you'll sit those at the end of fifth year. I presume eventually they'll split more papers into fifth year. All future orals and practicals will take place on the Easter break in sixth year. Uh, leaving us applied maths will have more access. There will be some new subjects. The minister said it's being reformed because there was an appetite for change and following the forced changes during the COVID-19, it kind of accelerated the procedure. Then there'll be changes as well to transition year. So it's all ahead of us. Um, and Mick Barry of uh, Solidarity, Cork TD. Mick, I know you want to address those and you want to address grind schools where there's an unprecedented demand. But let's look at the uh, changes in the Leaving Cert First of all, listening to student bodies represented on radio last evening, they seemed quite happy. Some of the teachers' unions were oming and awing as they're prone to do. Where do you stand on this? Good morning. Yeah, thanks, PJ. So the government had three choices here. 
Uh, number one, to leave the situation as was. Uh, number two, to bring in something like this, a mix of exams and assessment. Or number three, to abolish the Leaving Cert exam and um, open up third level in a serious way through investment, okay? Now, I think option one was a non-runner, and the reason it was a non-runner was because of the protests that the students organised in uh, recent years. Uh, it really knocked that one on the head. So effectively, the government had a choice of reforming the Leaving Cert exam on the one hand, uh, or abolishing the exam, saying too stressful, too much pressure, um, and too few places in third level. Because... Of course, the, the Leaving Cert acts as a gatekeeper. Leaving Cert is the one which decides, do you get out to go to third level and do you not? And it's so important and so stressful because there isn't enough third level places. So you reduce the stress if you increase the number of third level places. Unfortunately, I think the government made the wrong call on this. They decided to patch up the exam. It'll... Uh, still have a stressful exam but uh, uh, the stress will be sped out over two years and as you said yourself uh, while students might cautiously welcome it uh, I think they're going to have issues with well, no, the teachers the who will be I was to listening do. to Mick the student I was listening to was, was actually quite happy about the proposed changes it was the teachers unions who were cautious <laughs> Yeah, I think there's more than caution among the teachers' uh, unions. Uh, the feedback that I would have from teachers last night uh, is that um, they're quite wary of the proposals. Uh, and a big issue for them is they see their members uh, carrying a much bigger workload potentially uh, and what is going to be the reward, if any, uh, for for uh, them. Well, if it's just, so I don't if, think if the minister has gotten this over the line by any means yet. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm trying to think of the students being happy before the before the teachers are. And the other thing, if you if you abolished it completely, Mick, sure, then you go into third level, and you've never sat a proper written exam in your life. So you need practice at these things. Well, I don't agree with the idea that in order to um, sit a proper exam that you have to do um, a state exam that your, your, your very future uh, hangs on with the level of stress that comes uh, mm -hmm. with the Leaving Cert. Uh, I think if you were to create a lot more places in third level, and by the way, we need more nurses, we need more teachers, we sure. need more, more apprentices, uh, and so on. In fact, the government are paying recruitment agencies a lot of money to go and uh, headhunt people who are Irish and who've who've emigrated from mm. all corners of the world to come back in here. So um, let's invest more in third level sure, and create sure. places for people who want it. You, and then the leaving cert becomes a less stressful thing. But you do you do also need, and we'll move on from it now because I'm going to talk about grand schools. But you do also need a certain assessment base that that you can sit by, and that needs to be improved. By the way, but you do you do need it anyway. Right, come back to grand schools. I, I see where there's an unprecedented demand for the likes of Bruce and Hewitt and others uh, this year. Well, that's no surprise, uh, given that the Leaving Cert students uh, lost months and months of direct classroom teaching time as a result of COVID, and given that they've got this stressful state exam in two months' time that so much uh, uh, depends on. The grind schools uh, are milking it. I'm, I'm reminded of that uh, film, what was the Stephen Ray film, 
back in the day where they said that, uh, you know, the scorpion stings because it's in, in, in the scorpion's nature. The grind schools are milking this because it's in the nature of the grind schools. I see that Bruce College are offering courses in seven subjects for €825. Euro. Hewitt are offering three-hour revision courses for €50. Euro, and other schools are offering what, what's described as Easter revision packages for 325 and I think what tops the lot and th- this is one I want to highlight on the show this morning and maybe we could even get a response from them if, if you're up for it PJ okay Bruce College mm-hmm. on their it's website it's not a matter of me being up for it it's a matter of them but go on anyway <laughs> okay okay well you have to set it up Bruce College on their website says fees are not refundable no allowance for absenteeism so COVID and the pressures flowing from COVID are driving the students towards the grind schools. The grind schools are collecting the big bucks and saying, thank you very much. Mm. Are they then saying that if the student has COVID, right, and is protecting their health and their health of the teachers and the students in the school by staying at home, that there's no allowance and they lose all their money? That is, that is scandalous if they are standing over that. It's what's on their website, and I'd like to ask them, do they stand over that? Are they prepared to back down on that one? It's a question that can easily be asked of them. I I do, and I'm I'm going on memory here, because I know someone who did some courses up there, that there is... and there has always been that non-refundability clause. Once it's paid, it's paid. But like you're saying, in time of COVID, maybe there's an exception. I'm sure we can check that with them. Exceptional times, exceptional measures. And there should be exceptional measures taken by the state as well. So the, I'll be questioning the Taoiseach on this in the doll today. And the point that I will make put to him is a simple point. The state should be providing uh, extra resources to the schools to allow the schools to organise after-school tuition free of charge at least at least for the next two months rather than force students into the arms of these grind schools who are just milking them for money as we've seen from the examples uh, above. And I'll be interested to hear what the Taoiseach has to say uh, on that. I know that he'll try and bat it away as he usually uh, does but uh, I intend to raise this with a degree of force. This is a key issue for a lot of students at the moment. So effectively you're you're asking the schools to provide more services over the next couple of months. Yes, correct. Mm. You will have your problem there with the teachers' unions, you know that, don't you? I think that if there was uh, proper pay and conditions put in place as part of a package of resources, I don't think you would need all the teachers to volunteer for it. I think it's something... Uh, that uh, uh, many teachers would volunteer for. In fact, the reality of the situation already is that many schools are providing after-school tuition, but because they've been starved of resources, they're charging for it themselves, and it should be free, in my view. Okay. But it's up to the Taoiseach and the government to make that possible. We'll see where it goes. Mick, just to let you know, we are approaching, or in the process of approaching Bruce for a response on that clause in their T's and C's. Principle is a way, but we're working on a response. We'll talk to you again sometime. Mick Barry, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central. <laughs> Abolishing the actual seat, sitting of an exam in sixth year is what he wants. He doesn't want any exam to be sat. There'll be all continuous assessment and just abolish the written exam in June. At least if I'm listening to him properly, that's what he seems to be saying. How would you feel about that? That we completely abolish the actual sitting of an exam, do everything through assessment. 
And he also wants more and more and more third-level places. I don't think anybody would disagree with that because he's right. We need more nurses. We need more doctors. We need more of everything. So we need more places to provide that. Uh, Ed says, Barney PJ, let's be honest, Mick wouldn't be happy whatever they did. You might very well think that. I couldn't possibly comment. Kate says, I'm sure we all know that a battle of wills between a teacher and a pupil can get intense and personal. I can't see that not affecting their assessment when it comes to marking. Which is why, Kate, if the account from the journal is accurate, the assessments would be moderated by the State Examinations Commission. I'm sure it would understand that some of these difficulties can arise. I understand the need for more teaching, but the reality is a lot of schools can only provide minimal teaching now because of COVID-19 infections and outbreaks. And Kevin says, Mick is right here. If you want a true, I'm sorry, he said Mick is right. If you want a true reflection of someone's ability, continuous assessment is the only answer, not a glorified memory test. It's a point. I suppose I'm, I come from the, the, the school of thought that says you have to sit down and face a set of questions to get some assessment of what a person knows. But then again, times are changing. Can you, can you do the same over two years and know exactly how good Tom or Mary or Sean or Susan is at maths or science or French or geography or chemistry? Can you do that over two years? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Cork's 96FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96FM.ie. In Gwelskull, Feg shares they have another problem other than exams and how to do them. Adrian Vanek is the prevoider. Adrian, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How many times now has the water gone, Adrian? Um, it's gone four times since September. Um, yeah, and we've had to close the school four times in September just because of water issues and no water in the school. Because that means no running water, no toilets, no sinks, no nothing. Yeah, that's basically it. And look, I suppose you look at this stage as frustration because, um, you know, whatever about burst pipes, but, um, you know, Irish Water have done roadworks. They haven't contacted us. They haven't given us any notice. Um, we had to hear things secondhand. And, you know, it's very hard for us to plan and to inform parents, you know, who might have to make arrangements for the day after to have their children collected or their children to be, to be minded the day after. So there's a lot of things happening. But I mean, to happen four times mm. in the space of six months is very frustrating for a school on top of coming back from COVID and top of um, storm days and everything else, you know. Yeah. Tell me about the latest incident. This was just yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, we didn't know anything until two junior infants were going out to the toilet. They had no water to wash their hands. Uh, we, we tweaked that something was wrong. And uh, again, you know, we rang Irish Water, again, were put on hold. And eventually someone came back and said, yeah, there was a burst pipe down in Poppins Road, which is just down the road from us. Yeah. And there was road bursts going on. 
and again we don't know what happened and they couldn't tell us when it was going to come back and they basically told us you know keep an eye out online and there'll be updates and that's all we could do so I mean we've no, no choice but to close the school we, we have a school here we need toilets we need running water could you not have had the common decency to tell us yeah exactly and I mean you know this isn't the first time as I said um, they were doing roadworks about two months ago um, out on Redemption Road they never told us, uh, the school that this was going to happen they were going to have no water I mean 300 children in the school and you know not only that I mean in Farnfair's building itself there's a cafe here there's businesses and nobody was informed we heard second hand from our local councillor Ken Collins who happens to be on our board of management thank God and he told us uh, he saw it somewhere and, you know, we, only for that, we were able to plan, OK, and, and we, we had to close the school the day after. But, I mean, yesterday, they knew nothing about it, never informed us. And again, we had to close the school. And, you know, it's just not good enough. Now, one thing I guess that will come back is that there is a published list of planned road closures and road works every week. I know the council used to, in my time watching traffic in the mornings, the council used to publish a list and it would be published a week or two in advance if not three weeks in advance and there's access to that but you've seen nothing you obviously check those kind of things yeah I mean we do now and again you know and again look it's great that we have we have a councillor on our board of management who's able to see these things but I mean you know I suppose we can't be checking those things every day is there going to be roadworks outside you know because it's just not something you would do as a school you know you've other things to be thinking about Um, I think really it's up to the council or it's up to Irish Water you know there's a school in the area here at least inform them give us an email give us a phone call anything at all just to give us the heads up you know but I mean we're getting nothing at all and it's just happening on the spot you know yeah we have asked Irish water for a statement uh, as regards your situation. You're not the first to talk about their lack of communication. And and yeah. you had to send children home mid-morning, so you've got to disrupt them, you've got to disrupt your staff, you've got to disrupt their parents who are possibly at work. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, people don't realise it's just not about a burst pipe, the ripple effect it has, because as I said, 10 o'clock yesterday morning it happened, the children were already dropped off to school, they're in there an hour, and this happens. I mean, there's parents at work. They're getting a text from us saying, basically, come and collect your child as soon as possible. I mean, the disruption it causes for them, they probably can't get out of work. They probably have to ring grandparents, neighbours to come and collect them. So it's, you know, it's pandemonium up here when this happens. And this is this is going on from 10 until 12 o'clock. We're waiting here for children to be collected. And, you know, it's uh, we can't blame parents because they're getting this at the last minute as well, you know. And it's just, it's just as I said, the ripple effect, not just education-wise, but as regards how it affects other people outside the school. And I assume that on each of the previous occasions you've pointed this out to, to uh, Irish Water, that, look, a bit of communication wouldn't hurt you, lads, and certainly would benefit us. What response have you had, if any? Um, we've got no response, to be honest. Um, and to be fair, you know, um, um, Tommy Gould, our TD, is also on our board of management, you know, and he was up yesterday. He's a child in the school and he was, you know, he was livid. And um, he contacted Irish Water and, you know, he was telling that this is the fourth time it's happened. And we're just getting no response. We've got no letter from them, no communication. And I said, the only communication we have from Irish Water is when we actually ring them. And as I said, we were put on hold yesterday for nearly 15, 20 minutes. They're asking for our details first. And then they come along and they tell us, oh, yeah, I can see on the computer here, um, there's actually a burst pipe on Poppins Road. <laughs> and that's the first we hear of it. And we had to drag it out of them, you know, and they're, they're telling us, keep an eye on things during the day. And like, that's no good to us. How many pupils have you got in the school? Um, we've 298. Right. 300. So that's 300 yeah. families, yeah, 300. days 
disrupted and they're saying Irish keep an eye out and want to be back on like keep a tap on in the kitchen exactly that's the that's the attitudes yeah that we get all right okay we've asked them for a statement why why you're there adrian i know it's a primary mm-hmm. school and all of that and the, the the youngsters that you're teaching it'll be a long time before they sit a leaving cert but by the time they do i imagine it'll be a very a very changed one what's your own view yes. as a teacher on the proposed changes yeah, well, look, I only heard it this morning, basically on the radio, that Norma Foley's change. Um, I think it probably is a good thing that there's, um, they're, they're, they're changing it, that they would be doing an exam maybe at the end of fifth year and that everything wouldn't be coming all piled up in, in the month of June and sixth yeah. year because it is a lot of pressure. I mean, I remember doing that myself. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure on uh, leaving starts on an 18-year-olds. So I think it probably is a good thing to space it out. Um, you know, they're talking about doing the first Irish paper and English paper um, at the end of fifth year. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing because I suppose when we were in fifth year, we kind of thought it maybe kind of half a dossier. And we weren't focused on the leaving cert until maybe the year after until yeah. sixth year. So maybe it might be a good thing to focus them. Yeah. And definitely that teachers are assessing them over the years would be a good thing because, I mean, as I said, someone can get sick. Um, on the day of the leaving cert and that's their whole career could be gone in one day in one exam and I think the continual assessment over the two years is probably a good idea yeah Very fair point Adrian thank you Gurmila Mahogat Adrian Vanok a pre-avoid of Gwelskull Fegsairs uh, without water yesterday for the fourth time since September without warning ring up Irish water oh yeah that's fine this, the, yeah sorry there's a there's a burst pipe but no communication before and so we have asked Irish water for a statement with regard to that if we get it by the end of the programme, you'll be the first to know. If not, we get it when we do get it. Now, which one of us hasn't done this? I know I've done it. I did it with a mobile phone years ago. Um, and I got my phone back. I did get my phone back. But Hi, PJ. I wonder if you can help me. I bought a pool pump yesterday at Smith's. And while they're getting the kids into the car, I put it on the roof of the car. And what did I do? That's right, PJ. I drove off and I forgot all about it. Now, I know it's a long shot, but would anybody have... I'm assuming this is Smith's on the Tremor Road, or yeah, by the Kinsale Road junction. Big Smith's, big car park, lots of cars. I'm not sure if anyone would, by any chance, have picked it up. And if they do so, or if they did so, did they take it back into the shop? Did they hold on to it? What did they do with it? Have I any chance of getting it back? The only thing we don't know is what time you were in Smith's. So, we've all... Oh, God, I did I did it years ago with my phone. And only for a very nice man who was behind me in the car park and picked up my phone and brought it into the shop. Sure, I'd never have known about it. Never have known about it. And that's when phones like, God, oh, um, yeah, so who's not done it? Well, all, I did it with a litre of milk another time. It's not pretty, I'll tell you that. A pool pump for the kiddies, top of the car, getting the kids organized. You know, it's like herding mice at a crossroads, getting them into the car and getting the small fella clicked into the season. Drove off, left the pool pump on the roof of the car outside Smith's. Anyone find the pool pump? Did you maybe hand it back into Smith's? What did you do? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Let us know. We'll see if we can reunite that reunite that person with their pool pump. Talking a lot about education this morning, and 
it's interesting to see that new research from London have found there's still an amount of gender stereotyping going on in terms of choice of career, even among the smallies. Because the smallies are growing up in a world where we're all talking a bit more now about how, you know, women can be, girls can be anything they want to be. See it, you can be it. So, yeah, girls can be pilots and engineers, electricians. They can be all those things now. Train drivers, bus, they can be all those things now. But still, the smallies have a different perception. Beth Ann O'Regan, or Irden rather, is a child psychotherapist and joins me. Beth Ann, we all know now that they can be all these things, so why do the little ones still think they can't? Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I read the article. It was it, it was sent on to me. And I think one of the biggest things that we really have to realise is the influence that parents have in a children's life. You know, like I know on the article they were saying on TV programmes, you know, there's pilots in the kids' cartoons and this is all fabulous. But the biggest influence a child has in their life is their parent and how and the relationship they have with their parent. And so by by default, then they absorb their children's values. You know, like I've 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 some great stories, if it's OK to say one of um, parents who came came to me looking for help because one came to me and said, in their local club, sports club, there was a conversation in the dressing room with the coaches around how they're going to use the pitch for the year. And one of the men actually said to the other trainers, we better watch out. We better be nice to the, to, to the small girls and give them the good times because when they're older, they're going to have babies. They, well, they might have babies and those babies might be men and they might play for the club. So I think, I think you see, like, this stuff is everywhere. You know, this gender stereotyping, it's everywhere. And the parents, they're in a really fantastic position to help educate their children. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole see one to be one, if you see one, you can be one thing. We talked yeah. about that now in terms of, and, you know, little girls going on their summer holidays and the pilot of the plane is a woman that shows to them that they can be an airline pilot so they're grown up in a world where they can be all these things but yet we're still talking about them as if yeah. as if they can't be yeah I know and, and I do think you know even say on Irish TV there's great representation you know there's Stephanie Roach and Lisa Fallon in the soccer there's the jockeys Rachel and uh, Nina Carberry who won yes, Dancing Richmond. with the Stars yes. you know you know there's, there, there is great representation but I think even within a household and you know e- even even in my household okay I remember my mum came over from Scotland and my little boy was three at the time and he loves David Bowie he was just mad into him and um, he, he asked to wear my mum's lipstick so he could be like David Bowie and she said boys don't wear lipstick and he said but David Bowie does and I think you see I think in the article it said parents need to fight for gender or I I can't remember exactly but but they use the word fight and what I would really encourage people to do is step back from fighting guys I mean we can look at the way the world is at the minute and fighting has got us nowhere what we need is open conversations and we need the the representation in the home like this morning I got up and had a cup of tea and my husband hung out the washing and this is what children need to see is that in our household things are equal because when things are equal in our house then that has a chance of being replicated you see I don't know 
maybe I'm living in a different world, but I don't see the slightest unusual thing about that mm. that you just described there. Yeah, well, me neither, but I think it is unusual. You know, like I, I meet parents a lot and, and a lot of couples would come to me. Maybe they're together or they're separated, but, but say parents of a family. And we would talk a lot about how, you know, what is it that you're mirroring to your child in your household? And I think sometimes, and, and if my husband was here, I think he'd agree with me. I hope he'd agree with me that, you know, sometimes I'm better at doing things than he is only because I've been doing them for longer. So like I would have more experience at running the house and getting the dinners together. And then we had to have a discussion and say, hey, I don't know how, but we fell into this stereotype. Let's reset it. Yeah. You know, but I, I, you know, I would naturally find things a little bit easier only because I've been doing them longer. Ask me to teach the kids something that my husband can do very well and has been doing his whole life. I'd have no clue. So I think a lot of it is also about giving people time to get up to the level of expectation, perhaps, yeah. and not giving out to partners because they do things differently or slowly or whatever it is. Yeah. That's a huge thing I see. Yeah, I mean, there's the differently and the slowly thing. I mean, in terms, as, as we've gone off the education now for a second, but in terms of, of, of household chores, dad does some, mom does some, dad will do them yeah. dad's way, mom will do them mom's way. As long as yeah. the chore gets done... Does it matter? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. But I think if I think if a lot of couples are being honest, they really struggle with that, and they really struggle oh, yeah. with finding that middle ground. Oh, and it's yeah. possible to find that middle ground, you know. There's a whole topic of conversation in that. Actually, just <laughs> come back to careers for a second. There's still, yes. and I, I this came up actually in one of the discussions we had during COVID. Boys still don't go into nursing, even though young men make fabulous nurses. Yeah. And primary teachers are still nearly all women. Why yeah. is that, do you think? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can imagine, you see, like, I've been very lucky in my professional career. I've worked for charities and now I work for myself. And I haven't met um, any levels of um, discrimination within that because I guess I work in the helping sector so maybe they're more predisposition to inclusion but I, I, I you know I have met people and I meet with people in my therapy practice who would be met with real blocks moving forward in parts of their lives but also I think you know the family and the society has a lot to do with it people make comments you know we got given a toy kitchen when I moved to Cork and we had no money and no toys and someone said oh my boys play with this but we don't want them playing with kitchens at all because you know that's for girls so I think this stuff it starts young but I, I you know I, I'm, I'm not disregarding that there probably is huge blocks within the structures and systems of education as well but being honest that's not my sole area of expertise Yeah, I'm just being told here there was a very good midwife in COMH very popular midwife called, called Paddy. Actually there are a lot of men go into midwifery, that I do know certainly in, in the UK but not so many of them going into general nursing Beth and thanks as always uh, for speaking with us on the opinion, that's Beth and our Reardon child psychotherapist you can be it if you, you can, if you can see it, you can be it, that's an important message that's come out in recent years how about that one though, about the division of, of housework, just, just pop it out there for a second, like the jobs are divided, okay at least they should be, as best as they can be, right? As best as they can be, the jobs should be divided. But then does it matter that mom does it mom's way and dad does it that way, dad's way? Does it matter? 
once the job gets done. Like, Mum, take a simple one. Mum might like to put the bins out early. Dad just about makes the bin truck. Does it matter as long as the bin gets emptied? Or, or, or Mum, Mum, what? Mum mops the floor at night. I love this one. This is one of my favourite ones. Mum mops the floor, the kitchen floor, at 10 o'clock at night. And Dad is sitting there going, you know there's going to be Wheatabix on that flipping floor by quarter past eight. Would you not leave it? And when you're going off in the morning, I'll be here and I'll do it. And it'll be lovely and clean. That causes a row, do you know? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I know that often starts a row. Like, Mom will start doing the, the kitchen floor at 10 o'clock at night with the mop and the brush. And to be shining like a new pin she goes to bed and then 20 past 7 it's got a bowl of Weetabix on it like I mean what is the point you knew the Weetabix would end up there if it wasn't Weetabix it was toast with the marmalade inside down so why not just wait and the breakfast is over do it then you should get the day out of a clean floor then Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Quick request. We don't normally do them, but this is one very special young man who celebrates his 18th birthday today. Love coming to you from your Uncle Pat and from your sister Lily and your mom Sheila and all of the family. I speak, of course, of TJ, son of the late great Ted Dunn, celebrating his 18th birthday today. Happy birthday, young man. Happy birthday. God, I can remember when you came into the world. <laughs> 18 years. Happy birthday, TJ. 0818 96, 96, 96. I want you to ask yourself a question, and do you know the answer? And hopefully by the end of the next conversation, we will have some idea what the answer is. Do you know what vitality actually is? Write it down. V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y. And ask yourself, do you have it? And your first question is, well, what is it? So what is vitality? Dr. Mark Rowe has uh, written a book about vitality called The Vitality Mark. And it's a book that came out of a lockdown project. He started doing videos during lockdown. And by the end of the third lockdown, he'd done over 140 of them on Instagram. So he decided to put them all down into a book and they became extremely popular Mark, good morning to you Good morning PJ, thanks very much for having me Delighted Now, there's the question and hopefully by the end of this conversation we'll have an answer um, What is vitality? Well I think I think vitality is a great word and it really espouses a very kind of a positive sense of, of well-being You see Health is more than the absence of disease, PJ. Health is a state of complete physical, mental and relational well-being. And what I've learned over all my years, I've been a GP now for over 25 years, 
is how interconnected all of these various elements are. So for me, vitality is is that interconnection of of your mind, of your emotions, of your body, of your spirit, underpinned by your sense of purpose, who you are in the world, and influenced by the environments you spend your time in. Yeah. I don't just mean the inner environment of thought and emotion, but but the, the outer environments. Uh, and they, of course, may be health-enhancing environments, for example, being out in nature, or they may be health-depleting environments, being in bed late at night, scrolling on your mobile phone. Yeah. Like, and what I've learned is that, you know, we're all creatures of habit. And if you can just make some very small little changes in a health-enhancing direction, you can make an enormous difference to your lived experience every day, to your quality of your life, and to the greatest asset of all, your long-term health. Yeah. If I was to define vitality for myself, mm. it's how I feel when I get out in the morning and sit into the car. And as my listeners are sick of me saying this now, but this time of year, I love it. The morning, mm. that lovely pinky orange morning light, the sound oh. of a bird singing in the tree, coffee standing out the back while my dogs do their morning business as dogs do and just standing there in a beautiful early morning in springtime that I can feel and this is not nonsense I can feel the energy coursing in my veins on a morning like that is that vitality? It is and it's vitality for you PJ and that's what's most important for for you but you've just hit on so many important interesting ideas in terms of vitality getting outdoors in the morning and soaking up the, the blue light. You know, our circadian rhythm, our 24-hour body clock is highly tuned to being outdoors in the earlier part of the day and getting that early morning natural blue light so good for you. You said being in nature, listening to the bird song, that's incredibly good for your sense of well-being. You mentioned vitamin P there, your pets, your, your dogs outside, enjoying, as you said, savoring your morning cup of coffee. One of life's, for me, one of life's great pleasures. And it sounds like that that's for you a very kind of a mindful experience. Now we're talking fully five present. minutes, Mark, at most. Five, six yes, minutes. But absolutely. But I mean, I'm talking about micro moments of positivity. You see, negative emotion, if you look at the architecture of the brain, PJ, it's fascinating. You know, we're hardwired for fear and survival. So negative emotion and toxic stress, etc., they stick to us like Velcro. Whereas positive emotion is very fleeting. It's like Teflon. It's, it's here and it's gone. But by building more micro moments into your day, you can create that tipping point that can really allow you to have so much more vitality. You can slow down your breathing. I teach a, a mindful breathing exercise that I call pause. And it's simply slowing your breathing down just for one minute, not five or six minutes. One minute, four or five breaths can enable you to dampen down the red button in the brain, reset and, and move you towards that uh, being more responsive, being more mindful, being more present. And you, by breaking the, the grip that toxic stress hormones like cortisol have on you, you know, you just feel more energized, you feel more alive and you have more vitality. A couple of things that you talk about, uh, being in the moment and not mm. worrying about, not worrying now about something that isn't even going to happen for six months. That's much easier said than done. It, it is, of course, it's much easier said than done because all of these things sound so simple and yet they're not so easy to bring into your everyday life. But 
you know, the philosophers, I, I mean, I, I love the Stoic philosophers like Marcus Aurelius and, and Seneca, PJ, and they were such wise people and you can learn so much from them and from their writings. And they, they, they spoke about looking at life through three lenses, you know, the long lens. If, if, if something I'm worrying and stressed about right now, uh, if I'm not even going to be thinking about that in a year's time, you know, why give my energy to it right now? Or the reverse lens, you know, how does, how does this situation look like from the other person's point of view? And, you know, how may they be right? And then the wide lens, you know, things happen in life every day that we can't control, that we can't change. Um, but, you know, we can learn to accept these things that we can't change and we can learn to uh, to grow from our experiences. It's the old serenity prayer. Uh, you, mm. you talk in the book about gratitude. You're big on the subject of gratitude and being grateful for what is mm. in your life. Expand a little on that. Gratitude is a wonderful positive emotion, PJ, but it's also a wonderful habit to cultivate and bring into your everyday life. And of course, gratitude is about wanting what you have right now as opposed to simply having what you want. Um, you know, many people will, will tell you if you ask them, they feel grateful. But, you know, to get the health and vitality boosting benefits of gratitude, you need to write it down. Because when you connect your brain through your hand to a piece of paper and simply write down three things you feel grateful for, what you express on that piece of paper, you impress in your heart and your mind. And what I mean by that is, a written gratitude practice is a wonderful way to dissolve feelings of anxiety, to dissolve feelings of toxic stress and hostility. It's a great way to build resilience and grit, boost your emotional bank account with more feelings of positivity. It makes you more likely to not just succeed at your goals in life, but exert more effort towards them. And it can strengthen your relationships. And, you know, it. They've shown now, research in America has shown, you know, it, it boosts your immune system, it lowers inflammation, it can help your sleep, lower your blood pressure. And this is all because when you're in a, in a grateful state and when you're expressing gratitude, you're moving away from toxic stress and you're moving away from cortisol and all those stress hormones and you're moving towards what's known as vagus. You're moving towards the parasympathetic the mm. antidote to stress, as it were, the antidote, the end of toxic stress. You're moving into into a place of more peace, a place of more presence. Mm. Might might I twist that around a, a little a bit? A place though. where, um, please do. Because, and what you've just said makes absolute sense. But I, I am also putting myself into the shoes of someone listening to our conversation, Mark, whose bills are gone through the roof. Uh, their fuel, their food. They're really worried about COVID or some other illness. Mm. They're afraid of what's going to happen because of this war that's going on. And life is hard and there's no sign of it getting any easier anytime soon. And I'm thinking of that person and they're listening to me and they're going, what are they talking about? How can you have gratitude when your whole world is crashing down around you? Well, I think it, it, it comes back to this idea of your circle of control and your circle of concern. What what can you focus your 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 energy and you focus your attention on? Absolutely, if somebody has a lot of financial stress, life can be very very challenging. You know, I'm I'm a GP and I'm li I'm living in the real world, PJ, and I know how things are for many people. 
but there are there are things going on that we can choose to sort of take out of our everyday space. You mentioned the uh, you know the geopolitical situation in Ukraine and the war in Ukraine and what's going on. And, you know, th- you know, you need to minimize your exposure to these events. I mean, we we all need to know what's going on. But all I'm saying is that if you're spending a lot of time watching what's going on in Ukraine, that can be very very bad for your mental health. And you know, there was a research done after the Boston. A marathon bombings, which show that people that were watching, um, you know, f- several hours of media each day about the Boston bombings, they suffered more anxiety, they suffered more stress yeah. and more post-traumatic stress than people that were at the finish line that were right where the bombs went off. Yeah. So your mind is like a sponge soaking up all its exposures. And that's when I was talking earlier about environments. Those the environments include the environment of the social media feed you're you're looking at. Yeah. How much me, how much news you're consuming? Of course, you need to know what's going on. I'm not I'm not pretending otherwise. I'm not pretending that well being is about being delusional or denying reality. Sure. Of course, people have real challenges. But what I'm saying is that by by choosing to 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 build some positive small everyday habits into your life. It's not going to take all the problems away, but it's going to allow you to build inner resilience to enable you to get through the tough times better and to make better uh, of the good times as well. You have, you quote a saying and you said, was it Einstein talked about the most important decision you can make is whether you believe you live in a friendly or a hostile universe. What's that about? Well, uh, well, Einstein was a very smart, was a very, very smart guy and a brilliant, brilliant um, scientist. And I think it's a great question. Do you choose to live, uh, to spend more of your time in a hostile or, or friendly universe? Because uh, that, that what I was saying there about the social media is, is, is what you're looking for, um, you're going to bring more of in, into your everyday experience. So, you know, there, there's always opportunities, as you, you described uh, probably better than I ever could at the start of our conversation. You choose to pre-design your, your environment each day. You get out in, in, in nature, you have your lovely cup of coffee, uh, you listen to the birds singing, and you give yourself the gift of those few minutes to be present and to enjoy that more early morning experience, PJ, before you get into your car and go to work. Mm. But you could, that's choosing to live in a more friendly universe. You could choose to be out, you know, drinking your coffee at your kitchen table and scrolling through the latest uh, updates on what's going on in different parts of the world. Yeah. You could also, I mean, you could choose that to start your day, but that's going to have an impact on how you are. And by the time you arrive into, into the radio center in Cork, you're going to be in a less uh, positive uh, frame of mind and, and, and heart set than you would be otherwise. It's interesting that you should say that because one thing I've noticed about this particular time of the year, and a lot of people I talk to say the same, it's much easier if you start work early in the morning, it's much easier from now until, say, August, September to get up early. In fact, to even get up maybe 10 minutes earlier so that you can have that little moment of peace. That's not coincidence. That's your body telling you you must do this. It's your body telling you uh, that it's better for you to do it. It's, it's your natural, you're tuning in more closely to your circadian rhythm, which is your 24-hour body clock. The reality is, PJ, uh, you know, 
a large percentage of Irish people suffer from winter blues. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the long winters, the, the, the lack of sunlight, the lack of natural light, I suppose, um, the, the, the weather, the damp. Mm. I, you know, I joke um, sometimes, that, well, I'm not being, I'm not being facetious about it, you know, that, you know, half of Irish people suffer from winter blues and the other half are just in denial. Oh, uh, listen, it, if it, I, it if is I could hibernate, common. I would. I mean it. If I could hibernate. You know? I yeah, I would, like... And with the winter, with the winter blues, I mean, people think they're more sluggish, more tired, less motivated, less get up and go. I mean, there's a whole wide spectrum. You eat badly, you drink more, you sleep less. Badly. Yes. And it's so interesting, you know, how sleep has such an impact on, on hormones within the brain that regulate your appetite, your, your, your craving for carbs, whether you feel full up or not. I mean, it's really interesting how, how interconnected it all is. But I think that the bottom line is, PJ, as you've already said, is the closer you can align your daily uh, habits to to the the natural 24-hour cycle. Yeah. Oh, has that line finally decided? Getting up earlier in the morning is a great idea. Hello? Yes, that line that line is starting to misbehave, but just finish on, finish uh, on that point. I'm just saying that you know the, the more you, the closer you can align yourself to the natural 24-hour body clock, gifting yourself a few moments of presence in the morning, really savor that cup of coffee, sit outside your back door, maybe you can hear the birds singing, maybe write a few things in a notebook, things you feel grateful for, uh, write down your your goals for the day. It, it gives you that sense of control and ownership and it puts you into a more positive space. Okay. And, you know, to feel better in yourself, to be kinder to yourself, to be more compassionate to yourself in these really challenging times, I think it's so important, not just for yourself, PJ, but for everyone that, that, that you care about in your life, everyone you work with, everyone in your community. Small things really can make a big difference over okay. time. Okay. Now, all as well as the book being available, uh, Mark, I understand all of your videos are still available on Instagram. Where where we, would we find those? And the book is called, the, of course, the, the the book is out in all good bookshops called The Vitality Mark. The book's called The Vitality Mark, and my my handle for social media is at drmarkrowe, R O W E, and uh, all those videos are there. And you know, it's really to try and make the world a better place, one conversation at a time. So thank you for having me, PJ, and I appreciate your interest. I think this really important topic of health, well-being and vitality. All right. Thank you, uh, Dr. Mark Rowe. 0818 96 96 96. No, I do. I, I'm, and last evening I was coming into town. I was coming in to see a, a show at the Cat Club, of which more later. And rather than drive... Uh, I hadn't been planning a drink, so rather than drive, I got the bus and I walked through town and the sun was going down and I walked through town in the, in the dipping sun with my music on and it was just lovely. It was really, really nice. 0818 96 96 96. Mag says she mastered the art of living in the now a while ago and ha- it has to be said it makes life a lot easier. I never think about the what ifs as they might never happen and I trust that everything work the way it's supposed to. I know easier said than done, but it works. Yeah, there's another philosophy that people espouse a lot to, and the Queen Bee is a big one for this, and I kind of say, no, that can't be true. I wonder, does anybody agree with this one? You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Everything happens for a reason, the way it's supposed to happen, and there is no such thing as coincidence. There's a philosophy. I just throw it out there having talked to Mark because it kind of links in. 
You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. Everything happens for a particular reason. And there is no such thing as coincidence. And be in the moment, because sure, tomorrow isn't guaranteed to any of us. 0818 96 96 96. There's a good one on chores. I'll get to it in a sec. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Statement from Irish Water in relation to Gilskull, Feg Sayers and their water being knocked off now for the fourth time since September. But just addressing yesterday in particular, this matter was not a planned outage and was reported to Irish Water yesterday morning. It was resolved by Cork City Council staff later in the morning. The cause of the outage is not known at this time. On previous occasions, there has been a burst on the network, as well as an issue where a third party had switched off the valve, thus cutting the supply to the school. Irish Water would like to apologise for the disruption this has caused. And that's in response to our previous conversation with Adrian from uh, Great School, Feg Sayers. 0818 96 96 96. First of all, Conal Creedon, uh, my congratulations on uh, the appointment of, or the, the naming of Pancho and Lefty as One City, One Book. Good morning. Hello, PJ. Yeah, you know, it's uh, great. It's a huge honour and, you know, absolutely delighted. You know, it's, it's what, I suppose, it's the kind of thing that sort of you know, you wake up on a Monday morning and there's nobody really at your door looking for a short story. So when these things, you know, somebody says something good about your work or you get an award or whatever, it's, it really means an awful lot, you know. It's, I suppose it, in the quiet days, it's what keeps you going. Yeah. You know? A previous one was Ty Coakley's book a couple of years ago. So That's right. And, and it, 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 it gets heavily promoted by the city for the year. Yeah. And, and it's uh, quite prestigious. It is, and uh, you know, with, with this particular book, it's, it's. Um, I suppose it was written uh, for the most part during the uh, the big recession of the eighties. You know, um, like when Cork really was hit bad, and uh, you know, it, I suppose it came about in a funny kind of way where, um, you know, I was just writing. I had a laundrette at the time, actually, right, and I was just writing at the laundrette for no real reason except just to write, and eventually ended up with a lot of stories and things, and you know, it sort of came together. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. There's a book, uh, Con Collins, Princes and Collins Press, and since then, then there were a lot of other stories I've added to it, but that was sort of, um, I suppose it's a reflection of that time, you know, the the, the, the dreadful days of the 80s, you know. Mm. Who are Pancho and Lefty? Well, you know, it's a Townsend Zant song. Uh, I don't know if you know Townsend Zant, he's a country western, he's dead now, yeah. but, um, uh, and it's the ballad of Pancho and Lefty, and I just, it, it's a very, uh, I suppose, uh, it's that sense of having a back to the wall and, uh, you know, just taking on our comers. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so, you know, in the cover, there's a photograph of me and my dog in my cowboy suit. Uh, but that dog wasn't lefty, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not really Pancho, you know. Uh, they sound to me like, like two fellas that, that take a pint together out in Quinlan's or something in the afternoon in between bets. Well, that could be a bit of that, all right, you know, but... Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's just that sense of two people, you know, taking on the world, really, right? Yeah. And in this case, it's a man and his dog, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, uh, it's funny, actually, because I met a girl yesterday in uh, in the English market, and uh, she's Mexican, and she actually went home at Christmas time, and she started the book, so she brought it home to her mother. Because of Pantavia, you know, and um, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's a nice. Well, I don't know if your mother get the cork thing, but we'll see. <laughs> um, now yeah. you have a very. Uh, this is a, now many people are invited to read their book and launch their book in a particular way, and you you credit. For example, our, our mutual friend John Breen over in Waterstones for exposing an oh, awful absolutely. lot of new writers uh, to readings. But you're doing something totally different in Crane Lane. You're going to read the whole book. Explain. Well, I, I tell you, the mad thing is that uh, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, sound art, and there's a lot of sound artists around Cork. Like you know, there's uh, domestic godless, um, uh, small birds, the people I'm working with, um, and um, I've seen some of their shows, and some of them marathon shows. That like, it's not really a show; it's just an expression of sound, is what it is, really, and it's uh, it, it's not like. Um, sound effects it's just pure sound for sound and uh, sometimes you know it'll go on for 12 hours and uh, I remember at one point they actually did uh, I don't think for small birds but it was the same for Harry Moore and Nicochet um, a reading of uh, Flann O'Brien's book uh, in the Camden Palace around the corner here from my place and yeah. uh, since then we've been I, I sort of, we, we've often said you know what we should do for Passion Play which is another novel of mine right and it, it's just that the right time never really, it just just never really happened. And then when 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 this was announced as one city, one book, we thought, you know what, we'll do it for this. And um, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It's it, it, it's called Angelus to Angelus because we're going to start at six in the morning and finish at six in the evening, and um, basically just read the book from cover to cover. And in the background, um, uh, small birds—that's Mick O'Shea, Irene Murphy, and Harry Moore—will um, be you know doing sounds but it's not necessarily like sound effects you know it's, mm. it's um it's uh and i think that's about a month away i think it's uh the 23rd of april, 23rd of april yeah and and 
it's one of these things you can wander in, spend an hour and leave again. Well, yeah, you know, it's Saturday afternoon, it's in the Crane Aid Theatre and, and uh, that's sort of the idea and that's the idea of sound art anyway, that people, you know, you don't have to, you know, take out your whole night and spend 12 hours listening. It's It's more a mood thing and with this, you know, if you're, whatever, doing your shopping or want a cup of coffee or whatever, just drop in, this is yeah. a story too, or maybe even at that particular time, it might be just small birds doing their stuff on their own because, you know, it might, you know, it's, it, it, it's very sort of ad hoc, really. You just do it, yeah. you just make the sound and do the readings as as a chorus to you kind of thing. And um, people could just sit down, chill, hang out and go, you know, yeah. um, or decide to stay, but... I can't see people staying around for six six hours. You'd never know. You'd, ne- you'd never know. <laughs> Colonel, good luck. Like a- with, congratulations on the uh, being named as one city, one book, and that's a very ambitious project. And good luck with it when it comes up on the twenty third of April. Colonel Creedon, uh, Pancho, and Lefty ride again. His book of short stories, uh, named as one city. One book and the twenty third of April. That sounds like something very, very different at the Crane Lane. And you know what? The Crane Lane being the Crane Lane, it's what you it's where you go for something different. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The magic and music of Kate Bush is brought to you by Baby Bushka, an eight-woman powerhouse ensemble from San Diego who perform a wonderfully bewitching operatic night of exhilarating music bursting with wit, creativity and humour. The show takes place on Friday, May 20th at the Everyman Theatre. Access all areas. Comedy duo and internet sensation Dirtbirds present their hilarious new show, No Filters. Dirtbirds bring a sense of laughter and fun to the audience. Totally relatable and utterly hilarious, Dirtbirds No Filters comes to the Everyman on Saturday, June 4th. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. I happened to be in town last night. As I said, it was on my way to the cat club, of which more later, and I got the bus in. And the bus stopped in the South Mall, and it was a lovely evening. I had my headphones in, and I went for a wander just taking my time to get across. And I went down uh, the, the side street there, down into Olive Punga Street, and you could see the sun start to go down. The light was beautiful. It was an absolutely gorgeous evening. I was strolling along with my tunes. And this fellow sat me on, tapped me on the shoulder, and I just waved my hand because I knew he was bumming. And I moved on, and he followed me, and he tapped me again, and I just took out one earphone. I said, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Good luck. And I walked on. Um, and he seems to be, a number of others seem to be doing the same thing, tapping people all day. Aidan Connolly has the IT repairs business down there. Aidan, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. You're watching these guys. and There's a few of them around and they're troublesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, as, I, as I say, it's Cork's the best place in Ireland to live. I'm lucky enough to be here for 20 years. But it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. They're actually... They actually wander. They they go. They specifically go up and down Oliver Plunkett Street on on the beat all day and to, to, to meeting people face on 
asking for money, a euro for food, or to anybody that's walking parallel to them, they'll ask. Um, if there's um, a bunch of people together, they'll they'll go up in in the middle of the bunch, you know, mm. um, which will automatically disperse the bunch. But it 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 it, it surely must be putting people off uh, coming into town, you know. Uh, we're like I know for a fact, I know for a fact all shops are struggling in the city, and uh, the money seems to be going out to Manhattan Point. But, or wherever, but um, like it, it's definitely not helping, and there's no guard of presence. But as, as, as my colleague said to me yesterday, if there was a guard of presence, they just shoot off down one of the alleyways and uh, yeah. you know go around them. Yeah. But it, it, like if you, it, it, I, I didn't know that you, you, you that was your experience last night. No, it was late. It was about twenty past seven, and the street yeah. was relatively quiet. And I was just wandering down, and the, he, he just snagged me the shoulder of my jacket, and I waved him off because I knew what he was doing. And and then I took out my earphone and said, I told you, I can't help you. And genuinely, I don't change on me. Sometimes I give them a couple of quid to make sure they just leave me alone, but I don't, I don't, I don't catch on me. But if that's my experience, which didn't take a rap out of me, and people, if you say there's four or five of them there following people around, it's going to annoy some people. Oh, it's it's crazy. But, PJ, I'll tell you something else. I'm from Calera's, you know, but a, a friend of mine was down, uh, he, he he deals in property, uh, up, upscaling property or whatever, um, wherever the money is. <laughs> but but he, he, he was down here a, a year ago and he, he said to me that it goes on in no other city in Ireland. Now, as I said, umpteen um, times, Cork is the best city in the world to live in. Uh, yeah. I was so happy. But, and as my mother says back home, you're so lucky down in Cork. You've two degrees warmer than anywhere else in the country. And but um, it, it, like he he literally said to me, you know, in a serious face, that this aggressive begging goes on no, no other city in Ireland. Like you know, yeah, yeah. We we had a spate of it before, and there was an amount of it was organised and professional. Um, we're not saying these guys are, but do you think they're working together, Aidan, The four or five guys you've observed? No, it, but it, it's just. The, the word is out among them that, um, you know, in the morning they'll ask for a euro for food, in the evening they'll ask for a euro for a hostel. Uh, but it's, like, it's totally illegal anyway, isn't it? it, it it's, it, like, all, to, all forms of begging is illegal, but uh, it, it's, like, it, you'd feel sorry for the people that are genuine. Like, Well, well the, I was the, just going to get to that, because there are people out there who genuinely haven't a sovereign, they haven't a penny, and they, they they would like maybe to get a cup of tea and a sandwich, and it might be the only thing they have to to eat. And and, and a friendly face who gives them that couple of quid, or might be going to the shop and buy it for them. That might. So we we, we wouldn't want to, you know, be dissing oh, the no, real you can't poor. With anything. You know, but no, no. There there are a couple of lovely fellas on the bridge, the College of Cambridge, and and, and the other bridge up up where the, the vegetarian cafe is. But um, it's it, it's. It, it would like I was I was just yesterday evening I was just looking at a lovely old couple and and you see less and less old couples walking through the streets, but uh, like you know it would if if one or two of these guys approached them it would put them off coming into town in yeah. future. And yeah. now that the evenings are brighter and people will be coming in, people coming in just for a stroll around as I did last evening on my way to a play, you know just to stroll around it's lovely, but if you feel that you're going to get. In the pulled for a few quid or whatever, you won't go. You'll 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 find another way in. Aiden, thanks, Aiden Connolly from the IT repair shop on Oliver Plunkett Street. Has anybody come across that? Just people bumming. There's a difference between begging, I think, genuine begging, 
someone who genuinely hasn't got a penny, you know, or an arse to their trousers, and just booming, you know, just booming for the sake of booming. 0818 96 96 96. Come back to the chores, and I, I mentioned Mags was saying that dad I, I, I made the point earlier on dad will do the chores dad's way and mom will do the chores mom's way and once the chore gets done does it actually matter and Mags came straight back and said clearly I have met my husband whose idea of doing housework is as quick and easy as possible like doing a half-assed job that would be Mags in your opinion and then I would say that's Mags's way of saying it's my way or the highway we had a message that said not my partner fills the sink for the washing up with the plates and the cups, etc. My kids pack the sink and hope somebody passing will do it for them. I put the water in first, then the liquid, and take things one or two at a time. Cutlery goes in first to soak, and anything that might have food stuck on gets washed off. But when that's done, I like to get more clean water then for the glasses. I stack everything up first. I've just realised writing this, maybe I need to ease off a little. Yeah? You might very well think that. I, I couldn't possibly comment. That sounds like the washing up in your house is a ritual that goes on for for quite some time. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Need to remind you that the Premier League live team are back this weekend, Saturday, on ninety six fm ie with Trevor Welsh, all powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Liverpool against Watford at twelve thirty. Chelsea v Brentford at three and then they finish out with Manchester United against Leicester City at half past five. The Premier League live with online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. It's your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now and listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie How much variety is in your food? particularly your plant-based food. The stuff you eat, open your larder, open your fridge and look at what's there that's plant-based. Just how much of it is plant-based. And I was going to bring in uh, Dr Mary McCreary who is a dietitian. Uh, Mary, good morning to you. Good morning and how are you? Very well, thank you. In advance of our conversation, I wrote down a list of the the plant-based stuff that I have eaten in, say, the past week. Very good, right? right? Yeah. So I'd have apples, bananas, oranges, grapes, tomatoes, onions, mushrooms, broccoli, potatoes, green beans, cabbage and rice. How am I doing? Not too good. On no? an average, you're, not, you're supposed to have about 30 different plant-based foods in your diet on a weekly basis. So how many was yours there? About 14, was it? Four, eight, 12. 12, right. Okay, so that you, that's the average. And that's what the point of this uh, research that was done by Yakult was to look and see what was the diversity of different plant-based in the Irish diet. Now, I think there's a, a misconception um, as to really what we're talking about plant-based foods. So we're basically talking about a, a food that is obviously coming from a plant, but is very much in its natural, it's very much a natural product, which is little, which as little processing as possible in it. So we are talking about all types of vegetables and the ones that you mentioned there are really, really good. All types of fruits, 
it includes herbs um, it includes seeds and as well as that we've got all the type of legumes all the different types of beans kidney beans chickpeas lentils all of which can be used to increase and the aim of the different foods in the diet um, is to contain the different health promoting plant compounds called polyphenols which promote the growth of beneficial bacteria and your gut health and then obviously there's a lot of research going on into the connection between gut health and a couple of a lot of different diseases in the body as well and what their preventative role might be so the aim is to try and get as many and as wide a variety of the plant-based foods in your diet basing them on the natural products as much as you possibly can. This is a different discussion then, Mary, from the old make sure you get your five or is it seven a day now? It's a different discussion. Um, It's actually the same idea, but um, it's coming from a different uh, perspective in that we've always known that the, the, um, the populations that have a high intake of fruits and vegetables um, have lesser incidence of certain health-related diseases. There's a lot of research going on into the, the, um, the association between your gut health and these diseases. Now, it's all in very early research, but at the same time, if you have seven a day, over seven uh, days a week, that's 49 of the fruit, fruits and vegetables. So you can see they're connected, but in actual fact, it's coming from a slightly different perspective in that that is because it's been known that there has been association between these foods and different uh, diseases. But this is particularly in relation to increasing your gut health because we have bacteria already in our gut and the idea is that you need to feed these bacteria um, and that is with um, what's called prebiotics so it's mm. things like onions and garlic and oats and apples and then also using the fermented foods in our diet which would be things like uh, natural yogurt and yakult and um, miso or pickled vegetables sauerkraut those sort of foods which are fermented foods now all of them increase uh, your your gut health which is really i suppose where we're where we're coming to from the stage of science that we're at yeah, I, I, I'm laughing at some of the findings in the survey. They said that one in every 14 people thought that biscuits were a plant food. Well, because obviously they came from wheat and barley originally. Exactly. And this was one of the, the, the confusion, I think, that the study showed is that in actual fact, people don't quite understand what, again, as nutritionists, what we're talking about as increasing your plant foods. It's more about what you should be eating as opposed to what you shouldn't be eating. So the, prom- the promoting of the really, really natural plant based foods, as I say, in their natural state as much as they possibly can, because once you change um, something or you add other ingredients to it, it does change the bioavailability of these compounds in the human body, which is, so it's very complex. It's not as straightforward as people seem to think um, because there's interaction between different foods. But okay. certainly it's in, the best way to think of it is in the most natural state that you can eat it. Yeah. One of the things you might have noticed was not on my list when I read it out to you was nuts and seeds. Now, I absolutely love any kind of a nut almonds or any of those I love those 
I don't eat them because they are very fattening. They are. They are, unfortunately, in a small little handful of them. But the seeds are something that you could add in, you know, sort of into a lot of different ingredients. You know, so even if you're doing a stir fry, you could add seeds into the stir stir fry. Mm. Um, and there's lots of different seeds that um, you can use there as well. So, um, And you wouldn't think the there's nutritional value in a little seed, would you? I know, I know. And again, it's, it's more, it's not so much as in the nutritional value as in protein fat carbohydrates but it's these compounds that are present in the seeds and the the wider variety that you get of these ingredients the better because some each food is going to give you something different as well um but even as you were saying there you know about the nuts but even to use things like um kidney beans and lentils and mm. um you know chickpeas to use all of those in the stir fry as well or if you're making things like shepherd's pie or any type of a mince dish because they They've been improved very economical and you're you're getting your plant food in, but yeah. it's also quite an inexpensive way of adding them into the diet. Yeah, actually chickpeas in if you have a kind of a soup or whatever, chickpeas are lovely in a soup because they thicken it up. Absolutely. So the whole aim is to increase the consumption of these plant-based foods. They're not instead of something else. They're, you're adding them in, which is a really, really good thing. And by adding them in, you're going to increase your gut diversity, which is actually going to improve, hopefully, a lot of other related diseases that, that we will discover a little bit more in the future. All right. Interesting to speak with you, Dr. Mary McCreary, dietitian. More plant-based stuff in your diet and here's the thing that's the tricky bit not just fruit and veg you think you'd be off the hook with your seven a day but no we need to be looking more nuts and seeds and other things can we just talk the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with the Cork City Marathon take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team register at CorkCityMarathon.ie the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk Call 0818 9696 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. And the email opinion at 96fm.ie. I wonder, did anybody find that pool pump that a listener rang us about uh, they bought a pool pump in Smith's Toys yesterday and put it on top of the car as they were putting the smallie back into the car and of course you know the way putting a smallie into a car can require a military operation now and again in the heat of the hunt they drove off and left the pool pump on the roof of the car and they're wondering if anybody found it or maybe handed it in or has it or knows what they, what they did with it. Uh, you can contact us and we'll contact them. 0818 96 96 96. I also promise you that I will come back to name calling. It came up yesterday and I got a response to it and I've been busy all morning and haven't come back to it just yet but, but I certainly will before we finish at midday today. It is very hard to believe that it is almost a year, and it will be a year, on the 24th of April since the tragic death of Conor King. And we know what happened to him. And we spoke to his mum 
uh, after the inquest. It was an awful tragedy uh, that befell uh, this young man. And some of his friends are getting together to mark his anniversary uh, with a swimathon and a beach swim. I'm joined by Martina, who is the coordinator of Swim for Connor. Good morning, Martina. Good morning, how are you? Good. Hard to believe it's nearly a year, isn't it? Oh, a year. This year has flown by so fast. It's amazing how fast time has gone. It's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy year. And where did the idea come from to to have the swim? Well, I suppose we were thinking about Connor and what Connor loves to do um, and how good he is at swimming. And I suppose we are as... um, Working in Rochetown Park, he's a it was a lifeguard, and um, he was so good at it, and he loved swimming. We could see what he was doing with children in the water, and how he was teaching people how to swim, and how he was so careful with everybody. That we'd want to do something to mark what he likes to do and what he did as a child, and that we could just you know get something to get money together for Cork Rapid Response because again, we just wanted to mark what he was after achieving in his life and what we had we could offer in work I suppose as a swimming pool to um you know to show show what we could do I suppose to help remember Connor and um, so you're having a swim a swimathon in the pool in Rochestown Park this weekend sorry it's a swimathon oh, yeah so we're doing two events this weekend um, so on Sunday we have a swimathon, which consists consists of us swimming in a marathon. Um, so this sounds a bit crazy. So we're swimming for um, 42 kilometres between nine to five um, on Sunday, which we actually sold out in over 48 hours. Um, which means we're swimming 2,100 lengths between nine and five on Sunday. Um, we have six people an hour kind of swimming. Um, we've got two different abilities. We have a 50, um, pe- 50 people slot and we have a 20 people slot. Um, and that's going on on Sunday. Along with that, we have a couple of challenges as well. Um, we have an ice bath challenge where we are going to test to see how long you can stay in a bath of ice. And we also have um, a hang tough going on and we have a huge raffle going on as well. So if anybody wants to come down and we have so many people that have sponsored it it's been ridiculous I won't mention names because I'd be afraid in case I wouldn't leave anybody out but if you go onto our Instagram which is at CK Summertime you'll be able to um, see what the prizes are there um, and even if you want to message us we can send it on to you um, and then we have a second event which is before the first event I suppose is our swim in Markerville Beach on Saturday so um, we're going down to Murfreesville Beach for 11 o'clock on, um, on Saturday and we'll be hoping to be in the water for half 11 and we hope to um, mark it again, I suppose, there. Um, and the reason we're going to the beach is we, um, we're speaking to Maura and we know that Maura loves the sea and we just wanted to bring a bit of their family back into it and bring them out into the sea as well. Yeah, because when I was talking to her a few weeks back, as she was... Yeah saying that she was heading off for a swim as soon as she'd finished yeah. chatting she with me. She's, oh, my goodness. Yeah. She's fabulous. So, so are you doing a, a distance swim or just going We're not to... going to do a distance on Sunday. Um, we were afraid with the weather that we, March or, you know, the end of March, April would let us down. Um, so we're just going to go on Sunday for a quick dip. But if anybody wants to swim, there's no problem. They can do that there as well. 
And we'll have raffle tickets as well with us on Sunday. Excellent. Or okay, and all all proceeds raised from the two events going to West Cork Rapid yeah, Response. Yeah, so everything is going to West Cork Rapid Response. I'm sure you already know they're an entirely voluntary group. Um, they don't get paid for any of the services that they provide. Um, I've been speaking to a few of their team members over the last couple of weeks, and you, you've no idea what they have to do and what they are doing to try and help and keep this um, this system going. So they support the National Ambulance. So if the ambulance is too far away or that they can't get a call, they'll go out and they will do the rescue, you know. Yeah. So it's very important to us that we try and get as much money as possible um, for them. Okay, okay. And, and all in memory of all Connor. Connor, yeah. Oh, right. um, and uh, I know many of his friends, if you meet them and chat with them, they're, they're still, as you expect, still very upset to, yeah, to oh, this day. Can it, I can actually, yeah. It's an emotional weekend for you all. So yeah, yeah. I, I wish you luck with it. Thank you very much. And thanks for having us on. Cheers. That's Martina. She's the co organizer of the Swim for Connor uh, this weekend. First in Myrtleville, Saturday at 11. And then Sunday, the Swimathon in Rochestown Park Hotel, swimming the distance of a marathon over 12 hours, 64 of them doing a relay. 0818 Quick reminder to you that if you want to pick us up on your phone or your tablet or your smart speaker, you can do that. Just tell your smart speaker to play Cork's 96FM. And if you get the app on your phone, you can... Then get all of our podcasts. We podcast the show every afternoon. You get the full show in between two and three, generally is when it goes up. But after the show, we select bits, various segments of the opinion line, and we have them up and ready for you very quickly after the show, just so you can hear them again. We call them podcast extras, and we do three or four of them every day, just selected bits of the program for you to hear back. So keep an eye on our Twitter feed, because that's the first place that you'll find them. And if you look in the app as well, you'll find them as they go up. 0818 96 96 96. Quick reminder, Ted Cunningham and the Farron Hall Committee have asked that we announce the Red Cross Collection, 10 till 4, Saturday and Sunday, at Farron Hall for toiletries for Ukraine, for male and female toiletries and baby products. No clothes. Male and female products, toiletry products and baby products. No clothes, they ask. This organised in connection with Red Cross and that's all they need. Uh, please donate as much as you can. 0818 I mentioned to you uh, that I was heading into town last evening for to the Catlow. And I was going to see the latest in the Creative Empowerment Programme at Cork Arts Theatre. There are ten new plays which they're putting on between now and the back end of the year. They've got they've got ten of them. Um, and the second one is Woke, which or Wake rather, Wake, which is written and performed by Irene Kelleher. And it is a one woman show. Um, but how many different parts? I was trying to count as you went through them, Irene. How many different parts? I, I think there's 16 or 17. Obviously, um, a few are more prominent than others. But I think there's about uh, 17 in total. <laughs> it's it, madness it, in it an hour. And I must congratulate you because it's very funny. But it's also quite sad and it's also very real. It's the story of someone... Lily, who's at her own mother's wake in the house. 
it's a funny pitch to people all right because it is about a woman whose mother has just died but it's a comedy and that's a strange way of kind of pitching it and I suppose it's not an out and out comedy there's you know there's pathos and uh, there's sadness it's essentially I suppose a story about love and family and grief and that ultimate need for connection but it's all told through the guise of a comedy because an Irish wake has all that you know it's obviously after a funeral it's when people are are in sadness but it's that kind of community coming together and the kind of crazy pantomime of the wake like there's a coffin in one room but the house is overflowing with people and there's that strange kind of party vibe and it's also a very Irish thing I think we use comedy a lot to kind of get through the the worst situations and the worst times so it's a mix of all that together there's a hint of untold community secrets too. I won't be any spoilers, but there's one of the characters reveals a secret and you're thinking, are they here? Yeah, yeah. And there's always that kind of character as the character you're speaking about, that kind of strange loner from the community who comes in that you always think, well, there might be something more to him and that. But uh, it's funny because like so many people who have seen it have come up to me afterwards and said, God, I feel like it's based on my village or where I'm from because the characters are very recognisable and they're kind of an amalgamation of all these different, you know, people I've encountered. But um, I think they're everywhere as well. And it's that kind of a, in every rural, in every small town in Ireland, there are all these different characters. There, and, there's, there's the yeah. auntie who's a bit of a family embarrassment, <laughs> do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's always one, there's always one in the family that, you know, um, and obviously she's quite important because Lily really looks up to her, but then, you know, something changes yeah. throughout and Lily herself then kind of goes on a, on a journey as well. Yeah. Um, so we premiered or we previewed um, in the Fit Up festivals and we premiered then last night in the Cat Club, which was great because we had a full production. We had great sound and visuals and um, it was kind of a full a full production because when we did it in the West Cork Fit Up in Bally de Hob, it was open air. Yeah. It was last July, so still very much in COVID times and that. So it was lovely doing it with a fo- in a darkened theatre with a full yeah. full production. And it is certainly an, an excellent... Now, we were, we were chatting you and I briefly afterwards, it, it's a tough time for theatre because even though we can go back out, trying to get bums on seats is difficult because people are nervous. Definitely, yeah. And um, I was even saying to you last night, when um, COVID hit, I was in the middle of touring Gone Full Havisham, which was a play about a woman who locks herself up and essentially self-isolates. So I said, well, nobody in their right mind would want to see this play now. And that's kind of where Wake came out of, you know, because I, I think people maybe need to see not out and out belly laugh comedy, but, you know, something a bit lighter mm. um, that also has, you know, like gravity, but also can, you know, you go out and you have a good night and a bit of comedy. Um, but I know people are still nervous, but they're it, they're really really careful in that theatre, and um, you can still wear your masks okay. and everything. Indeed. But it's great to see so many people. Like last night was great, so we're just hoping for the final four nights that we'll have Brilliant. good crowds. Is this your as third well. or your fourth one woman? I was trying to figure it out, Irene. It's actually so. It's my fourth one woman 
play, but it's my third one-woman play that I wrote. So I did miss a Shakespeare that Ian Wilde wrote, but Mary and me and Gonfal Havisham are my own too. And then the Misfit was with Aina, right. and um, and then this is is my own as well. But my next one is a two-hander as well. <laughs> but Wake started as a radio play for right. the Midsummer Festival, and I had other actors doing the voices of, of different characters because obviously for radio yeah. that would work better. And then when I sent it to the brilliant director Jeff Gould, he said, "Well, this would actually really work as a one-woman show." And we added in uh, extra characters like Toothy Teddy only came from that, and uh, um, and Jess actually wasn't in the radio one as well. Would you believe? So yeah, some important people came. Well, well, as I said, Irene, I I I enjoyed it thoroughly, enjoyed it, and I'd encourage anyone to get along to see it. And it's part of this very interesting and very exciting program. I hope you get along to see as many as I can of them. The Creative Empowerment Program at the at the Cat Club. It's it's part of that series which runs for the full year. Congratulations on yet another great. Uh, great, great piece of work, Irene. Thanks a million, PJ. Cheers, cheers. That's Irene Kelleher, writer and actor uh, behind uh, Wake at the Cat Club. It's well worth it. Well worth it. And am I a big fan? Yes, I am. I'm unashamedly a big fan of everything that Irene Kelleher does. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. All of the attention the other night was on that set two at the Oscars between Will Smith and Chris Rock and really it got so much publicity that a piece of gold absolute gold was missed out if you go back and you'll find the clip of Lady Gaga on stage with the great, the wonderful Liza Minnelli poor old Liza Minnelli elderly now and not in the best of health there in a wheelchair and Lady Gaga helping her to reveal the name of the best picture, uh, which was Coda. Um, It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, How she does it, the kindness that she shows to a legend of stage and screen who isn't in the best of health. Uh, And uh, it reminds us again, if we need reminding, that for all of the stars that are out there at the moment, very few of them, are a genuine class act and Lady Gaga is indeed one of them. It's well worth watching that clip. Just Google Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli at the Oscars and, and you'll find it. 0818 96 96 96. An unusual course being set up in Cork is already fully booked and has a waiting list and people from all over the country are coming to sign up at St. John's College to learn how to be a drag queen. Mia Gold, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well. Now, we talked about drag before on the show, and of course, Cork being the home of the greatest drag of them all, Danny, yes. Danny LaRue. Um, this is some idea, and it's taken off. Did you expect it to book up quite so quickly? No, it actually, not really. Like, we, we had idea, uh, myself and Conrad. Uh, Conrad works at the Gay Project. Um, so he, um, he came up with the idea to me and we just start planning it and like making all of the, the week p- programs and weeks um, um, each lecture. But um, yeah, we didn't know that this is going to be as huge as it, as it is now at the moment. <laughs> mm. It's a big surprise, but like, I mean, people are interested in drag and 
um, like the art of transformation. So it's so good to see people interested in it and from different age range and everything, you know. Why do you think drag is so popular, Mia? I mean, I think drag is, it's very popular at the moment. It's like, it's becoming mainstream um, with years coming by. Um, I think it's just because of um, like, so colorful and people can just be and explore different parts of what a person is, you know, like a different, when you go out on Halloween, for example, and you just dress up and you feel like some other person, you, you change character when you put um, a frock on or makeup and hair, you change completely your posture and everything. So I think that's why people are interested in mm. drag is because of the transformation aspect of it. Like, what how, how big is, a role do you think the RuPaul show has played in all of it? Oh, so much, so much. Like, I mean, RuPaul has made open so many doors for different people, different aspects and on TV, music and everything um, for like all drag queens to be like involved in this world and being mainstream, you know, and be some way accepted, you know, <laughs> not fully accepted, but some way accepted. And it just opens so many doors for many of us, you know, yeah, to do it, this. It's a 10 week course. What will be taught? What will you be teaching? So the 10 week course is, um, it's basically like, it's, it's more like a personal development program through the art of drag. So, on first on week one, for example, we have the history of drag in Cork in Ireland, and we'll be showing like a documentary that was filmed in Cork, as about the Cork drag scene from like Danny Larue and many different other um, drag acts from uh, from like from then to now. Uh, we have like a drag persona character development, like to evolve and see how your drag's gonna be like or what do you feel like's gonna be your drag. Um, we have like makeup, we have uh, hair, we have uh, costume making, we have lip sync and hosting, um, choreography or movements in drag, acting, uh, live singing too. Oh, we, um, yeah, and a graduation at the end of the course. Gotcha. So basically, it will lead up everything to a graduation, like yeah, yeah. like a normal course. Okay, and it's ten weeks, and it, when when does it start? So it starts on the 5th of May uh, for 10 weeks and it will finish like around July. So, yeah, so like each week we'll have myself, Mia, and then we have different guests from the different areas. Like from here, we have another another um, friend of mine called uh, Letitia Lissin, another drag queen, and, um, um, hairdresser. We have Joan Hickson that does a lot of costumes for Opera House and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it's like basically every every week there's a different um, tutor, mentor for sure. that personal. Sure. And um, I guess given the interest, uh, this will mm-hmm. not be the, the only course. You're already probably looking at future courses, are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, this, this program and this um, drag school was pitched to like many of our sponsors that are responsible like for like helping us to get the, the funds for this course, you know. Uh, to make it happen, like the gay projects, um, like Cork Prides, Cork ETB, and St. John's College as well. They all helped and sponsored the this 10-week course. So, I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, we still have a waiting list already for the second time. 
I mean, the demand is so big. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with it. Clearly, clearly, you've 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 you hit, you've hit a hit. You've, you you've got a hit on your hands that you possibly didn't even expect to happen so quickly. So, congratulations on that. And starts the course on how to become a drag queen at Cork at uh, St John's Central College here in Cork. And Mia Gold, who will be uh, leading the course. That's great. That's uh, sold out the first one, and the second one they've already got a waiting list. If you want to, con- I guess you contact St John's College if you want to find out more. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now this happened yesterday, and I didn't come back to it until now, and I apologise for that. So. Got this message in yesterday morning. It says, PJ, can you do a shout out there to a guy who shouted out of his van at me in the Dunn Stores car park in Ballyvalan and said, move over, four eyes. It reminded me of what kids that wear glasses go through in school and how cruel it is. I never wore glasses as a child, only did in the last few years. It's the first time I've been called it. I'm really shocked at such a childish comment made by a grown man. It's an awful thing to say, and I remember getting it as a youngster. Grand four eyes, you'd get it, and it's one of the... It's a hurtful thing to be called when you have glasses, because trust me, particularly when you're a kid, not so much when you're an adult, but particularly when you're a kid, you get very sensitive about your glasses, and, and, and it's a lot of people... A lot of bully, a lot of bullying done with that one expression. Four eyes. And what I was saying yesterday was, you know, the person who did that and leaned out of a car and shouted to another, I mean, are you six, like? I mean, do you have the mentality of a six-year-old? To which this response came in. PJ, people who call others names because they wear glasses are not childish. They're nasty. And there is a difference. My child is six and wears glasses all the time. Never once has any of the kids in school mocked him or called him names because he wears glasses. It's the same in the area we live in. The kids have never mocked him. So adults who mock people because of wearing glasses are nasty, not childish. Point taken, Tracy. I think the, the what I was attempting to say or make sense of was that it's an awful childish expression to use. And if you were doing that, like surely you want to look at your maturity if you're going to call another adult four eyes <laughs> I'm looking at a thing here on my screen and I'm not entirely sure what to make of it Dyson have made an announcement today, they're going to issue a headpiece, sweetest god Okay, imagine a pair of, you know those big headphones that some people wear, the Bluetooth ones with their phone, and they can be big, huge things, and they block out all the road traffic and everything. Imagine one of those, a pair of those, and in front of it, it's got a face piece, sort of like a mask, but not a mask. It's, it's, it's part of the headset, and you wear it, and it is a wearable air purifier the wearable headpiece known as the Dyson Zone will come with noise cancelling headphones that will also deliver immersive sound it says the compressors in the earpiece draw air in and project two streams of purified air to the wearer's nose and mouth channeled through the non-contact visor 
So the air, your headphones use air to create sound. The air they use to create the sound will then be purified and you'll breathe it in. It'll capture pollution, including gas, allergens and particulate matter. Initially, they had looked at a snorkel-type mouthpiece paired with a backpack, but it has now evolved dramatically, according to Dyson. It still looks a bit like something out of Star Trek, but apparently it'll be available online and in-store from the autumn. Uh, Knowing Dyson, it will be extraordinarily expensive. Would you wear one of them? David Murray has contacted the opinion line. David, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Very good. What's, what What point did you want to make, sir? Uh, there's uh, about the, the Russians. And, uh, Could you get a bit, maybe you get a bit closer to your telephone, David? Please. Okay, fair enough. The Russian, and the, uh, Russian ambassador and the diplomats here. Oh, yeah, yeah. The four, four diplomats yeah. told to go home. Uh, yeah. no, I, I want the whole lot of them. Uh, expelled from the country, not just four of them. I I believe they're using this here. David, you're, uh, you're too. Far, can you come closer to your phone? You're too far back from your phone. Can you come closer to it? Uh, yeah. Uh, can you hear me now? That's better. Okay. Basically, I believe they're using Ireland as a hub for spying all over Europe, and they're gathering information about what the EU is going to do next with Russia. And I believe Putin is the main perpetrator of this war against innocence. He has um, starved the people in Mariupol. He has bombed them to, uh, using bombastic bombs, phosphorus bombs and all that. He's, he's basically says he will use chemical or nuclear weapons if he was going to lose the war, I believe Ireland is using a laissez-faire approach in their dealings with Russia. They allowed Russian hackers to hack into the HSD website. Well, they didn't uh, allow it. Now, to be fair, David, they didn't allow it. It got in unknowns to them. They, they did nothing about it. No action afterwards. They didn't even want to tell the people that it was uh, hacked. They, uh, they, it was the journalists and RT that informed the public. No apology from Paul Hines uh, uh, of, of the HSE. Also, uh, I believe that the Russian ambassador, when he was brought before an Oroxus committee lied about the war. Well, he careful, now, let's not use that word. But you didn't, you didn't believe him when he spoke about the war in front of the committee, is what you're saying. No, but you, lying. You, but you, yeah, no, you can't use that word. You say you didn't believe him, okay? You can't accuse him of lying, but you can say you can choose not to believe him. By all, that, that. But anyway, you want them all thrown out. I want them all thrown out. They're rotten to the core. And also, they're costing the taxpayer a lot of money for having them there. And also, I want the Irish government to call back our ambassador from, from Moscow and all our diplomatic staff. As uh, I want to show, we want to show, uh, send a message to Putin that Ireland is not going to be bullied. 
and also to the, the Russians were trying to carry out naval activities off the coast of Cork. And if we were in NATO, they wouldn't have dared to do that. You're not suggesting we join NATO, are you? Yes, yes, I'm pro-NATO. Yeah, but wouldn't we be compromising our neutrality? Wouldn't we be compromising our neutrality, David, if we were to join? No, in the neutrality, we want to be in NATO. NATO is the place that will so, protect so you, us. So you want, you want an end to our neutrality that a lot of yes. people would hold very dear? Yes, I do want an end to us. I want NATO bases here in Ireland to show Putin that we won't be bullied. Hang on, you want yes. NATO, hang on, you want NATO bases, that's, uh, that's uh, inviting someone to bomb your country, David. It isn't. It is it's showing Putin if he tried any of his dirty tricks again, he wouldn't get away with it. Yeah, but sure, half the reason that what's going on in Ukraine is going yeah, on is because so, he was afraid they would join NATO. So, so you're appeasing Putin, appeasing the second Hitler. No, no, stop, stop now, David. Stop a minute. He's a Nazi. I'm, I'm more interested in my own country and keeping it out of a war. And one way to... One way to put yourself at risk would be, and many people say, I don't know. No, I want NATO here. I, we want a referendum. And let you vote no if you want neutrality. So you want no. the, you, you would like an end to our traditional neutrality? Yes, yes, yes. I want NATO. I, want, I, want, I don't want to be bullied by Putin, the second Hitler. Okay. He, 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 he tried to uh, organise death camps. In in, yeah, but, uh, in, yeah. in in deporting people from Mariupol yeah. to labour camps in, in Siberia. Yeah. Something like what Hitler did to the Jews. Yeah, but I mean what about our part in the war? We we're we're helping people that are fleeing the war. That's okay, yeah, but we still uh, that isn't the message we should be sending to Putin. We should think that we're military strong enough to take them on. But sure, we couldn't, David. We, 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 as, as I had yeah, a... we, we couldn't with the army we've got. But if we had American bases here, we would okay. be able, they would be able to protect us. Okay, okay. I wonder what people think of that. It might be tomorrow before we get to come back to it. But David is very interested in the war. And he thinks that we should abandon the neutrality that we've always had or we and, and join NATO. Now, there's a bit of support out there, all right, for joining NATO, it has to be said. So it's not exactly new or not exactly that radical. Um, it said that Fergal said about 50% of people would favour joining NATO. I wonder. Yeah, there was a poll in one of the Sunday papers about it. Um, I was looking at one on neutrality. Um, and it's fair to say that a lot of people don't really care too much about um, about the neutrality anymore. That's, that's true. Uh, it was a Sunday paper opinion poll on that. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk?
the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Thank you, Fergal. It's uh, from Red Sea, published in the Business Post, said, suggested uh, sharply shifting public attitudes on the official neutrality policy. 48% of those surveyed for that poll found that they want, uh, that would like to join NATO. 39% were opposed. It's a record high for that view. As recently as January, there was a similar poll found only 34% for joining the Transatlantic Military Alliance. So, according to that Red Sea poll, which I missed, and thank you for that, Fergal, um, 48% of people surveyed for the Sunday Business Post, which is a very prominent newspaper, as you well know, uh, showed support for joining NATO. I think about 10% would have been your response about 10 years ago. Anyhow, two other things. Uh, Marius Rushinskas, the, the name might mean nothing to you, but he had address, an address in Cork City. Uh, he's a convicted murderer. He was convicted of murder in his native Lithuania, but he now lives in Cork City. He dragged his wife by the hair, banged her head off a table, punched and kicked her, tried to pull off her eyelashes, and then tried to suffocate her. This happened in Castletown Bear in New Year's Day 2020. He dragged her by her hair, hit her head off a table, punched, kicked, and tried to pull her eyelashes off her before finally attempting to suffocate her. The Director of Public Prosecutions brought charges. Judge Sean O'Donovan had him in court and sentenced him to 18 months suspended. Suspended at Cork Circuit Criminal Court. He was an 18 months suspended sentence. The DPP then appealed that on the grounds of leniency, as the DPP has every right to do. So the DPP went to the Court of Appeal to appeal Judge O'Donovan's suspended sentence, and there Judge Isabel Kennedy agreed with the DPP, said the original sentence was too lenient, quashed it, imposed a sentence of three and a half years. She then suspended the last two years and effectively it allowed him to walk away on a bond of good behaviour. So this guy has not served a day in jail for this appalling attack on his wife. Sally Hanlon of Support After Crime Services. I read that this morning and I read it again and I thought, what on earth it's going on in the courts. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's a dreadful situation, isn't it? You'd say, where is the justice there? Mm-hmm. You know, if they if, if they felt the uh, Judge Donovan's sentence was too lenient, and then he not to serve any time on appeal, I I just don't know. I don't. I I can't get a hang on it. I mean, just. Um, Minister for Justice Helen McEntee is talking about increasing jail times and setting time limits for certain types of crime. 
And I wish to God they would do that. Because that poor woman, his wife, I mean, what she must have suffered, the fear she must have suffered, the agony, the pain, you know, the threats. Um, and probably this was not a one-off beating. Uh, and I'm saying that I don't know any different. I suppose we don't I, know whether it was or not, so we'll just deal no, with the one at hand, Sally, I guess. We'll deal with the one at hand, exactly. But again, you know, first of all, that man can walk into Ireland without any history check as to his background in Lithuania. There's no guard and clearance for him or others coming into our country, which we always, my husband, have always talked about this. It should be so. You won't walk into America if you have a conviction for murder. You won't walk into many other places either. So I just think that judges need to have a judges conference or something or a learning curve to know, to put themselves in the situation of the victims that they're dealing with and have a humane approach. I mean, all these appeals, who's paying for the appeals? Yeah. You know? And it's not you, it is you and I and any other taxpayer, but he's not, so he's free to go back. He's free to regain his life again. Yeah, yeah. And she would probably spend the rest of her life in fear. Yeah. Reading from the Irish Independent, he entered uh, guilty pleas literally on the day of his trial. That's right. I read that in the paper this morning, yeah. And and then Judge O'Donovan imposed an 18-month suspended sentence, which, look, he was entitled to do. The DPP appealed, which the DPP is entitled to do. And then Judge Kennedy, and she was sitting with a couple of other judges uh, in the court, yeah. said, and this is the bit I don't understand, said, yes, the 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 the, the, the sentence had been too lenient, right. but still she allowed him to walk away. Yeah. Talk is cheap. Yeah. Action is needed. And I mean... Sally, what does this... What, what message does this send out to the kind of people that you deal with? The type of message it would send out is, I think that, you know... What's the point? What's the point? If you go to the trouble, and obviously through that, that lady had to go to hospital and all the rest of it, like going through that, reporting it, waiting, waiting in fear, waiting, and then, then they get to the court and he gets the suspended sentence. And then even after that, he appeals that again. So you have that waste of time again. And I, I think it'll make people very hesitant in going forward to report that type of domestic violence. Mm. Now, Judge Donovan at the time was within his rights to suspend the sentence. Do you think that those things need to be reviewed? That Should he have the right to suspend the sentence in full? Particularly, well, you say, okay, they can take the mitigating factors that he pleaded guilty. So why wouldn't he? Because the evidence was there. Um, I don't think he should have suspended the sentence. He could have suspended six months of it, but let him serve some time and put a bit of manners on him. But other than that, like again, going to the Court of Criminal Appeal and coming out with the same, you can say it's the same, same result. Yes. So who's winning? Mr. Rishinkis no, is winning. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rushinkis is winning, I think. 
he is winning. And there is no, not that I'm aware of from reading it, I don't know if there are any conditions on him on his release. Mm-hmm. I don't, not, not from the account I have in the newspaper. Yeah, no, I either on the paper that I read it on. Uh, like again, there should be conditions, you know. Like, they say that, you know, like when you, you, you have a suspended sentence. Mm. If you do anything within that suspended sentence, it, re, it, re, it comes into force. That's right. So he has no suspended sentence now, I say. I don't believe so. I don't, right. not, not from okay. my reading of it. Not from not my, from my reading. reading of it either, and I could be wrong. But um, if that's the case, he's a free man to roam. All right. Sally, leave it there. Thank you very much, as always. Sally Hanlon from Support After Crime Services. It is a bizarre story. He got a suspended sentence. The DPP said that's too lenient, went to the Court of Appeal. The Court of Appeal then says, yes, that was too lenient. Legally, the judge was entitled to do it, but it was... was And then the Court of Appeal makes its own recommendation... And he walks free anyway. It, it just doesn't make any sense. John says we've already got an American base here. It's called Shannon Airport. PJ, he has a point, speaking of David. If anyone attacks Ireland, is there no one out there to help us? And Kevin says, I get that David is angry, but Ukraine was not in NATO. We aren't really neutral, apart from not having a proper defence budget. We're solely dependent on our relationship with the US and the UK to be big brother, being neutral didn't protect us from cyber attacks, which is a very fair point. I wonder, this is something we might come back to. Should we join NATO? Should we be part of NATO? Would it protect us at times like this? Should we give up this neutrality that we've held so dear, or so many of us have held so dear, and join NATO, as David has suggested? It's something we might come back to. It's up to you. But for now, that's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.